Hello, and welcome to Speculation Podcast, where we discuss tough topics from a biblical perspective. Here's your host, my cute husband, Pastor Kelly Van Arsdal. Hello, and welcome to Speculation Podcast. The origins of the universe have always been a topic of great debate and speculation. Every culture and civilization attempts to answer this question of how we've come to be, and how everything and why everything has come into existence. Throughout all of history in the various cultures and civilizations, there stands one unique aspect of all origin stories. This is the uniquely monotheistic worldview of creation found in the book of Genesis. It is unique because while it has references and similarities to other ancient Near Eastern origin stories, there are also striking differences. The greatest of these differences is how the author of Genesis teaches that God created everything out of nothing, or what will be commonly referred to as creatio ex nihilo. In this podcast episode, I will argue how creatio ex nihilo is the single best interpretation of what the authors of the Old and New Testament mean when they are telling of the creation of the universe. It will also draw upon why this is the most sufficient answer to the origin story of everything, and how it can be an objective truth both philosophically and scientifically. I will go about accomplishing this task by first explaining what creatio ex nihilo means, and by using the information provided in the Old and New Testaments build a foundation. Then I will defend this theory by comparing it to other ancient Near Eastern cultures, to show how it is a unique concept compared to other stories in relation to its conception. Thirdly, I will explore the sources that are not biblical in nature to prove that this is not only an idea that should be reinforced by those of the creation out of nothing worldview. Finally, I will address the most compelling philosophical and scientific arguments surrounding why creatio ex nihilo, as presented in Genesis, is the objective de facto concept that best explains the origins of the universe. The term creatio ex nihilo is the Latin equivalent to saying creation out of nothing. There are a number of different views as to what it could mean for something to be created out of nothing. So one needs to first start with a proper definition. The most sufficient definition that one has found is that of Thomas F. Torrance, who writes, The creation of the universe out of nothing does not mean the creation of the universe out of something that is nothing, but out of nothing at all. It is not created out of anything. It came into being through the absolute fiat of God's word, in such a way that whereas previously there was nothing, the whole universe came into being. This definition is important because it separates the creature from the creator, the created from the one who initiated creation from nothing. This is something that is a cornerstone doctrine found in the Old and New Testament. Further clarification should be noted that this ex nihilo, out of nothing, is different than what some scholars claim to be creatio ex martia. This is the misinterpreted belief that the Bible teaches creation from chaotic matter, or what could be commonly referred to as an organization of matter. This is most commonly found in Mormon scholarship, who create a false impression that solid biblical scholarship does not support ex nihilo. The creation out of nothing concept separates everything that was created outside of the being that has done the creating, and that includes all matter since matter would have been created. 
Torrens is arguing for the idea that the creation of the universe is the unique positive act in which God freely brings into being another reality utterly different from his own transcendent reality. So when one speaks of creation and creatio ex nihilo, one must attempt to comprehend a time before time and without all other matter or existence outside of the Creator. Now that one has a proper definition of creatio ex nihilo, one will use this portion of the podcast to show how the Old and New Testament explanation and the reasoning for believing the reality that God created everything out of nothing in the origins of existence is unique. I will start with the Genesis account in the Old Testament and then show how the New Testament helps to reinforce the concept of creatio ex nihilo, which shows how the Bible is one consistent account of the creation event. One of the champions of the concept of creatio ex nihilo was named Gerthard May. He wrote that the concept of creation out of nothing corresponds factually with the Old Testament proclamation about creation. I will prove that the book of Genesis reinforces the creation out of nothing concept by showing what the author of Genesis meant by using the verb to create, the word bara in Hebrew, which uniquely corresponds to the act of creation out of nothing to a divine purpose and action by God's mere word. The words in the beginning God created are one of the most argued words in the debate over the origins of the universe in Genesis. The debate is found by deciphering what the author meant by using the verb to create, the word bara. When one is interpreting a particular word in scripture, it is first important to see how that same word is being used in other biblical passages. The verb is used in Isaiah 43.15 to show the creation of Israel and in Psalm 15.12 for the creation of a clean heart. And by these usages, it would be hard to objectively say that they are used in a creatio ex nihilo form. However, creation ex nihilo is implied in the relevant context surrounding bara and pertaining to the initial creation in particular. You can look at Genesis 1.1, Genesis chapter 21, chapter 27, chapter 2 verse 3. To further understand this concept, one needs to understand that the word bara does carry with it ex nihilo characteristics. Gordon Wenham observes that the text referring to Genesis never states what God creates out of. William Lane Craig and Paul Copen realize that the verb is unique because it is always reserved for divine actions like the creation of the universe, a new heart, or the creation of a new people. Man can create things, but only through the gathering of already pre-existing material. Humanity cannot manifest new creation out of nothing that already exists. This is something only reserved for the divine. God has given man the power to refashion stuff that is already there. But man cannot bara. Only God can create or bara as it is a divine verb. It is through the divine bara out of nothing that uniquely captures the entirety and breadth of God's creation. It speaks great volumes of the uniqueness of God and his ability to speak creation into existence by just his word. This is completely from himself and is not dependent on any other variables. Genesis 1-1's creation narrative is through the uniquely divine bara, which is creatio ex nihilo. The verb also connects the creation story of Genesis with the complete totality of God's unique creation. 
The idea of the absolute beginning of the created world thus proves to be a logical expression of, of the total outlook of the priestly narrative. This correlates with the creation out of nothing concept because it shows that there is a consistent account throughout the Old Testament of God creating. For example, the Bible states in Isaiah 40.21 how God was at the foundations of the earth. This is a direct connection to the beginning of creation and proves that God was the one building the foundations as there was no other being present. In all, the verb bara may not by itself indicate a creatio ex nihilo. However, used in the context of Genesis 1 and with that of the totality of Scripture, this divine word does seem to imply for a creation of nothing conclusion, which could only be accomplished by the divine God speaking through the purpose of his word in Genesis. The New Testament also supports this theory of creatio ex nihilo, as it has themes that revert back to Old Testament passages. The most convincing passage that shows God's creation out of the universes as created from nothing, is found in John 1.3. It reads, All things came into being by him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. This is a New Testament example that is drawing a connecting line between the work of Jesus Christ and that of the God in Genesis. This is an affirmation in the strongest words possible that everything without exception has been made by the Logos. Look at the words that are used. All things came into being. Are matter things? I would argue that they are. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. If it came into being, it must have come through the Logos, as John 1 is arguing. Even the Hellenized Rudolf Boltman concludes that John 1.3 says, The creation is not the arrangement of chaotic stuff, but is creatio ex nihilo. Similar to that of Bara in the totality of creation in the Old Testament, this passage in the Gospel of John shows the Lord of Israel's uniquely creative power accomplished without outside variable, but only by his spoken word. In this case, the Lagos. Hermann Riberbos stated the emphatic position that all things has in verse 3 and the addition that nothing is expected from what has been made by the word. Therefore, intend to express against all speculations about the origin of the world that are in competition with the, this viewpoint, not on the monotheistic idea of creation. What Riberboss is arguing for is that we speculate everything that is not of creation out of nothing, or creatio ex nihilo. Those are the worldviews and views that we should speculate, not the creation out of nothing. Let's now turn to see how creation out of nothing is reflective of other ancient Near Eastern legends. The book of Genesis is a cosmogony. This means that it fits into the literature of something that deals with the origin or birth of the universe. I stated in my introduction there are many cosmogonies found throughout the histories, and to be fair there are some similarities between Genesis and other ancient Near Eastern stories. In this section, however, I will show how the Genesis event is unique and that it differs from other ancient Near Eastern stories because it teaches creatio ex nihilo. One of the ways Genesis's creation out of nothing concept is unique is in the differences in how the ancient Near Eastern gods, lowercase g, are created, whereas the god, uppercase g, of Genesis is the creator. One example is the Eucratic cosmogony, and how the gods of this origin story are depicted as the concepts of darkness and or water. The theologian Mark S. Smith observes that 
The cosmic monsters are no longer primordial forces opposed to the Israelite God at the beginning of creation. Instead, they are creatures like other creatures rendered in the story. This is one example in how the reader can see how that the ancient Near Eastern origin stories consist of gods that are characteristically creatures or created and not divine in any way. In fact, Genesis 1 depicts a divine mastery over these forces, which are depersonalized and domesticated, as one would understand looking at a creator talking and working within his creation. In many ancient Near Eastern myths, these primordial gods, lowercase g again, tend to be in battle with each other as they seem to have come about by some sort of evolutionary process of chaotic matter. In contrast, the god in Genesis, whose spoken word is bara, divine creation, has no rival or contester. There are no rivals in the creator in Genesis 1, let alone pre-existent matter. This is a major difference between Genesis and other Near Eastern myths or legends because Genesis shows creation out of nothing, and the Near Eastern writings, which date back to a similar time, show a contrary account as their gods are the sun, moon, stars, water, etc., mainly created items. Genesis 1 teaches of a god who, in a dramatic revolutionary presentation, is seen as creating the sun, moon, and stars, which were often thought to be gods in their own right. Henry Blocker stated regarding the differences of the creation event in Genesis with that of the myths in the ancient Near East that there is a danger in the obvious passing unnoticed. The beginning of Genesis proclaims first of all creation. The one God has created everything. At the time it was formulated, the proposition was anything but commonplace. The idea that one God created everything is extremely rare in ancient Near Eastern stories of the origins, or cosmogonies. Genesis's opening line depicts a god who was not battling over chaotic matter or is a representative of a pre-existing material or object. He is uniquely singular and outside of creation. He is the one creating a new reality that has no prior foundation or understanding. Again, this is extremely unique and is only found in the book of Genesis and is presented by the theory of creatio ex nihilo. Now, to, in order to share a very balanced approach to this subject, I want to look at texts outside of the Bible. And so, in order to form a sound hypothesis around this argument, I will need to explore texts that support this idea that are not contained within the Old and New Testaments, respectfully. This is important because scholars like Ian Barber will argue that creatio ex nihilo is a modern conclusion to the readings of Genesis. He holds to the idea of creatio ex martia when he wrote, Genesis portrays the creation of order from chaos, and the ex nihilo doctrine was formulated later by church fathers to defend theism against an ultimate dualism or a monistic pantheism. Therefore, for the creatio ex nihilo concept to stand firm, it must be provable outside of these theistic, dualistic, and monistic spheres. So in this portion of the podcast, I will explore the writings of Philo of Alexandria and Athenagoras to prove that these are cases or concepts outside the realms of Genesis, and that they actually are concluding that creatio ex nihilo should be the objective cosmogony of the universe. The first one to be examined is Philo of Alexandria. It is important to note that there is great debate in Philo's stance of creation out of nothing, 
but there are reasons to believe that he thought this to be the most accurate approach to the origins of the universe. So I first want to give an overview of his argumentation. In his work, The Roman World, Philo comments on the creation event as not being eternal, but a work from God. In fact, he writes, And those who describe it being creation, being uncreated, do without being aware of it, cut off the most useful and necessary of all qualities, which to produce piety, namely providence. For reason proves that the Father and the Creator has a care that which has been created. So in this section of Philo's commentary, it seems that he is supporting the idea that God is outside of creation, creating those things that have been created, which is a foundational argument for creation out of nothing. One of the leading scholars of Philo of Alexandria is named David Runia. He states that Philo's position is more coherent if coupled with the doctrine of creatio ex nihilo. Philo, being a Hellenized Jewish writer, held to three principles as it pertains to cosmogony of Genesis. The first was that God alone is uncreated, whereas all other beings are created by God. Secondly, nothing is co-eternal with God. Finally, eternity means deity. These three principles all relate to not only the Christian worldview, but also support the concept of creation out of nothing as presented above. Another scholar who studies Philo who understood these principles made the conclusion that it is probable that Philo thought of the material out of which God fashioned the visible universe as created ex nihilo, or out of nothing, by God. Philo, who was writing in the first century AD, proves that the concept of creation out of nothing is not a modern conclusion, but one that has been in existence since before the time of Jesus Christ. The second writer to evaluate is Athenagoras, who was an Athenian philosopher in the 2nd century AD. He did later convert to Christianity. In a letter to the emperor, the Roman emperor, defending the Christian stance, he gives detailed information into his understanding of the cosmogony of Christianity. He writes, But to us, who distinguish God from matter, and teach that matter is one thing and God is another, and that they are separated by a wide interval, for that deity is unbegotten and eternal. And to be beheld by the understanding and reason alone, while matter is created and perishable. Just in this one short passage, it shows how Athenagoras clearly divides matter from that of the Creator, and even shows how it is perishable. Therefore, it could not be eternal, but must have been created by God. The reader can pull two principles from the writings of Athenagoras as they pertain to creation out of nothing and how God is the creator of all things finite, including matter. First is that God and matter are not co-eternal. Apart from God, everything is corruptible. Secondly, God brought about the universe in two stages. Since God alone is incorruptible, matter could not have been eternally preexistent. Thus, God must have first created corruptible matter and then shaped it accordingly. Athenagoras is another example of how there is considerable evidence of a God that is a unique creator of all things, including what Platonists and other scholars call matter. God is outside of creation because he is the creator of everything out of nothing. In this final portion of the podcast, I want to look at how creation out of nothing is defensible by scientific means and philosophical means. The first section I will explain why the theory of creatio ex nihilo is provable scientifically and then move on to philosophically. I'll focus on each aspect of each sphere that is the most compelling 
and present it as evidence that the creation out of nothing theory is the best answer for the origins of the cosmos as presented in the book of Genesis. The first area of focus will be the scientific sphere. There are a number of scientific theories that one could touch on that helps to prove the scientific nature of Creatio Ex Nihilo. However, there is one that stands out above the rest as the most objective around the existence of all things being created. Mainly, this is found in what scientists call the general theory of relativity. This theory was suggested in the early 20th century by Albert Einstein. He assumed that the universe is homogeneous and isotropic, and that it exists in a steady state, with a constant mean mass density and a constant curvature of space, mainly that it is expanding. This was the basis for which more models will be presented in the future that would create a wave of new thought about the origins of the scientific universe. Two scientists by the name of Friedman and Lamatre would use this theory to complete a model that would prove that Einstein's theory to be correct. They were able to formulate solutions to the field equations that predicted an expanding universe. This is significant to the argument of creation of nothing because it shows that the universe is not an eternal stagnant sphere of particles and matter, but is expanding, and thus had a beginning. A beginning that must have come from nothing, as everything that exists is among the ever-expanding universe. The universe has a history, and time will not be a matter of indifference. Edwin Hubble, who you might recognize from the Hubble telescope, would eventually take the model presented by Friedman and Lemaitre, as well as the isotropic theory presented by Einstein, and prove that the universe was indeed expanding, and therefore had a beginning. John Wheeler wrote about this miraculous find when he said, Was there ever one prediction greater than this, to predict and predict correctly, and predict against all expectation, a phenomenon so fantastic as the expansion of the universe? The second part of this section I will focus on why the creation out of nothing argument is a foundational argument in the science of philosophy. One of the ways one can prove this is by building off the scientific argument. One argument of Creatio Ex Nihilia goes like this. The temporal series of past physical events either had a beginning or is beginningless. In short, everything that exists must exist or it never really existed. This theory sits upon three main principles. The first one is that an actual infinite cannot exist. Secondly, an infinite temporal regress of events is an actual infinite. Finally, an infinite temporal regress of events cannot exist. You may need to go back and re-listen to that. But when one understands infinite, they mean that an infinite number of things cannot exist. And we use exist to mean have extramental existence or be instantiated in the real world. Again, Paul Copen and William Lane Craig argue that the universe is not distinct from the series of past physical events. The universe must have had a beginning in the sense of a first standard event. They are stating that an infinite event is philosophically impossible in a finite world. The creation event couldn't have been an event of eternal ramifications since it is scientifically observable and that the universe is deteriorating. All things must have a beginning that are finite. The logical conclusion to this complex philosophical argument is that the series of past events must be finite and have a beginning. Hence, the temporal series of past physical events is not beginningless. The only infinite being is that of God, whose eternal nature is qualitative, not quantitative. 
and therefore with him being the creator of all things finite and infinite, the universe at its complexity is not eternal, and therefore must have had a beginning out of nothing. This podcast episode, I hope, has presented a strong case as to why Creatio Ex Nihilo is the most logical, most objective case to the explanation of the origin event in Genesis. I have proved this by showing how the authors of Genesis and other Old New Testament texts all believed in their time that God created, using the word verb bara again, out of nothing. And they didn't seem to try to impose upon their reader an understanding of an organization of chaotic matter. This is a common trend from Genesis through Isaiah and into the book of John with a detailed creation account of the Logos. While Genesis does have similarities to other ancient Near Eastern texts, the account in Genesis stands alone as a unique telling of a God who is outside of creation, and in fact created everything that has existed, including the objects and materials that later ancient Near Eastern writers would attribute as gods, or in some cases contemporary ancient Near Eastern writers. Genesis is a rendering of a uniquely monotheistic creator that has no contender or contester in the creation event, and is in fact the instigator of all things in existence. I then fixated on the idea that Creatio Ex Nihilo is not merely a modern biblical explanation for the creation event in Genesis, but was known and wrote about by scholars who are outside of the modern Christian worldview. Authors like Philo of Alexandria, who wrote in the 1st century AD, and Athenagoras, who wrote in the 2nd century AD, both wrote on what could be argued as a creation out of nothing origins event, where the God of creation is master and originator of all matter and all living things. He wasn't merely an organizer or a collector of matter, but was the one who spoke it all into existence. Finally, I proved through the scientific and philosophical spheres how creatio ex nihilo is an objective fact and should be taken seriously in this light. The general theory of relativity shows how the universe is expanding, and that's not an eternal stagnant state as believed prior to the 20th century. If it is expanding, it means someone had to initiate this expansion. It couldn't have been done in an eternal state. In a similar way, the philosophical argument proves that there cannot be an infinite beginning and still have existence. There must have been someone who initiates a finite creation which we know the universe is as we can observe that it is slowly collapsing. Creatio ex nihilo is the most sufficient and objective answer to the question and debate of the origins of the universe as presented in the book of Genesis. And it shows a God who is not reliant on pre-created matter to make creation. He is big enough to speak creation into being not using anything but himself. It is a view of a higher God. It is a view of a bigger God than those who hold to creatio ex martia. And in my mind, proofs in the Genesis account of how big and mighty our God is. My prayer is that this podcast has blessed you, that you've been able to learn something new and be able to find an answer to a question you may have been asking yourself around the creation event. If you've liked this podcast, please share. Please, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out through our website. We're on Facebook. We're happy to to respond as quickly as possible. May God bless you and good night.